Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We've got a really fun interview for you all today as American men's tennis player and current ATP number 111, Dennis Kudla, rejoins the show to talk about how he's responded to the coronavirus pandemic. He was on the ground in Indian Wells when the announcement came that Indian Wells was going to be canceled. He talks about how he responded to that, how he's managed to maintain his training schedule, his fitness regimen, uh, given that so many gyms, so many public courts, all of these various things are no closed off and you know he talk about he talks about the struggle that's been but why you know the fact that he's self-motivated is now more important than ever we also of course talk about the uncertainty that comes with all of the rankings points with comes with the fact that he doesn't know when the next tournament's going to be played all of those various things you know universal basic income for players should players be unionizing we hit all of those topics but we also have a ton of fun in this one Dennis talks about some of the shows he has been watching on Netflix his affinity for the cooking show Beat Bobby Flay and all of the cooking he's been doing with his girlfriend as well. And then we get him to put on his prognosticator helmet. He talks about a a segment we just did on one of our mini break podcasts looking at the best ground strokes on tour and ranking them. He offers his take on the best backhands out there. He also weighs in on the greatest of all time debate, which player he thinks of the big three men. Uh, Big three, I say loosely, but Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, you know my feelings for Murray, so it hurts me not to include them there, but he mentions the guy he thinks is going to end up with the most Grand Slam singles titles when all is said and done. So we've got a really fun conversation ahead of you, and so we'll get right to it. Enjoy my conversation with American men's tennis player, Dennis Kudlow. Joining us now on the Cracked Interviews podcast, you may know him as a returning guest here on our Cracked Rackets products, a guy who won the Indian Wells Challenger earlier this year in doubles, was a finalist at the Dallas Challenger in singles. Dennis Kudlow, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Just kind of uh, sitting around on the couch waiting for all this to blow over, hopefully, yeah, sooner no- or later. No, no doubt, and I, I'll tell you this: uh, no one can help you procrastinate more than us here at Cracked Rackets. So yeah. honored <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, you chose us to spend some time. But uh, I, I do want to start with the boring stuff. Uh, I know you were at in, the boring stuff. Uh, I know you were at uh, Indian Wells when the cancellation happened, when all of the coronavirus mm-hmm. blowback sort of first started. Uh, what can you run us through? You know what your feelings were. Were you on the grounds at Indian Wells when they announced they were canceling the event? No, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely pretty crazy. I mean, obviously being there uh, with everything kind of slowly growing, we knew it was in California. I think the cases were at maybe like 30 or something, 35, uh, obviously rising, um, maybe even more. But then um, we we were all there and we were all playing that challenger. So I really didn't think anything was going to happen. Not Not yet. Um, and then I actually thought Miami was going to be the first one. I thought we were going to play Indian Wells. And I thought Miami was going to maybe get canceled. Uh, and then I, I was on the golf course actually two days before <laughs> I heard a rumor flying around. And then um, I was like, no way, no way. Uh, I mean, look what ha- I was like, look what happened in Australia. I thought Australia could have gotten canceled, but I thought the smoke was pretty bad and we still played through it. So I, fi- I figure that there's just no way like they're going to cancel this. It just means too much. There's too much money involved, all that stuff. Uh, and then two hours later, I was at dinner, and uh, then the message started happening. More people were texting me just before, like, it's going to get canceled. It's going to get canceled. I was like, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. And I was kind of just thinking up scenarios in my head. And then uh, once we were at dinner, I got the, got the tweet. Everyone saw it. And then uh, all chaos started. No, without question. And for you personally, uh, how did this influence you know your schedule? Obviously, all of these events canceled. But was your response, I'm just going to go right back home? Did you head to Miami? I don't know if you're going to try and play qualifying there or you know, if you're going to go play a challenger elsewhere. But how did, what was your initial response? Yeah. Uh, first, I was a little bit in shock. I was like, wow, I can't believe this happened. Um, I mean, not really thinking at all. I was like, all right, I guess, uh, I guess I'm going to order a margarita now. <laughs> 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 I did that. Um, and then 
Actually, I, I was going to go home. I actually booked a flight within two minutes of hearing that for the next day to come right back home. We figured if Indian Wells was canceled, Miami's done too. Uh, there's no way. Because there was, I think it was more more cases like in Broward County and all that than uh, there was when where we were. So like for sure it's gonna get canceled. And then I ended up staying a couple of days because we just we heard Phoenix still might happen and it's unlikely that it's gonna get canceled. We'll probably just be closed to just players. So I stuck around four or five four days and then uh, and then as it was getting worse, worse and worse and less unlikely, I just. I decided to just pull the trigger and head home so uh, I could be in the East Coast before any kind of travel bans were going to happen domestically, which I was thinking that, you know, it could happen any any day. Yeah, no, and obviously that was the, the prudent decision as play has been canceled through June 8th. And I'm curious for you in terms of your training, because we've seen so many, you know, clubs shut down, courts shut down, non-essential businesses. How do you find places to hit, places to, you know, go to the gym and continue to train? Has that been easy or has that been difficult? Um, honestly, I, at first I thought it was going to be a lot more difficult, but um, every single tennis player I feel like has access to just – couple little weights that you need um so i have two power blocks that go up to 50 pounds from 10 to 50 pounds i have a bench uh i was trying to create a home gym like a year ago and, I was, and then i started tanking but then i was like oh great now it's coming in handy <laughs> so you have that and then um well as a parking garage where we live and that's always covered so rain or shine no one's ever in there i'm using that as running and lines i have mats I have all the bands I can ask for. So, I mean, so much of tennis is movement and body weight, and you can run shuttles all day. So I'm actually doing that. I'm, I'm trying to stay in shape. Uh, I'm trying to work out every day or at least five, six times a week. Just good for your mind and something to look forward to. Uh, but tennis and practice. Uh, last week I had a couple days uh, with some friends that are in the area, and then uh, now, now it's a little bit more difficult. So... It, it's hard to it's hard to hit anywhere because even the parks are getting shut down. So uh, fitness is all I can really control and try not to get fat. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like the hardest part is you're just next to your fridge more often than usual. I, I know I'm going yeah. there for snacks whenever possible. Uh, I imagine, yeah, you talk about the fitness aspect. That's probably the difficult part. You couldn't pay me to do burpees. I, mean, I feel like that's like the most efficient and just like under burpees no is big. Burpees is big. I mean, luckily, um, you know, the guys that have really good fitness trainers everywhere, these guys can come out with workouts with, with anything, you know. Uh, and they and they can make it brutal, and I'm pretty self motivated. So I got uh, I've been doing a bunch of running stuff. It's like 20, 25 minute workouts, and they're killer. But uh, yeah, bur- bur- actually, I haven't even done burpees yet. So I can't even <laughs> burpees included would be. I hate those too. Yeah, no, they're just brutal. I feel like the other thing we've seen all these uh, a lot of players do, Christian being the most prominent, is they're all expressing their artistic side. We have TikToks and whatnot. Uh, I feel like you've been relatively radio silent. Should we expect any cre- <laughs> creative uh, videos from you in the near future? Um, maybe I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I might. Uh, I know ATP um, or or Taste of Tennis. They were looking into trying to get players to show off what they're cooking uh maybe recipes and stuff so i might that's what i might do uh me and my girlfriend were definitely big in cooking we love it we're surprising ourselves every single day uh with kind of winging it and all those watching beat bobby flades are coming in handy <laughs> um, and uh so yeah we've been, we've been doing that as if for tiktoks i have actually i mean obviously i've seen some of these videos they're hilarious but i probably won't be doing those um, actually, I've never been on the TikTok, <laughs> but um, I tried to do one live stream workout, and I kept it on there. I was like, maybe I can, uh, you know, motivate a couple people. Who knows? Because I'm getting motivated by seeing some of these big time athletes, you know, working out at home and, and really getting after it. I mean, obviously, we don't have these like exclusive high end gyms in our in our basement, but. Um, I I, th- I figured, hey, why not? There's really no excuse to just not stay in shape and it's just so good for your mind i think especially in these times yeah no without question i'm a big i guess this is a humble brag i don't know i'm a big runner so i get my hour yeah. in outside and i'm like all right i'm good like push-ups now yeah. you out enough to take a nap and then before you know it, it's four o'clock <laughs> and you're like oh i'd be sitting at home anyway 
<laughs> oh, exactly. And it sounds like you're a big Beat Bobby Flay guy. I'm more of a Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives man I like, myself. I like that, too. I like yeah. that. So what's your uh, go-to Netflix TV series regimen right now? Uh, Well, I was trying to finish House of Cards. Uh, um, I'm kind of grinding through that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some hard to binge watch. That. It gets a little dark. <laughs> uh and, and a little bit crazy but uh i'm, I'm almost at um ending season five out of six seasons i finished watching tiger king which was pretty nuts uh that was crazy i highly recommend it um where we started watching love is blind which which is another <laughs> crazy crazy show um and then uh we watch beat bobby play all the time <laughs> Uh, and I'm just looking for other shows to go on. I love watching sports documentaries. I love watching 30 for 30s, but my girlfriend doesn't like that. So, um, <laughs> and we've been spending a lot of time together. So it's it's more it's more more on the lines of cooking and uh, CSI and stuff. No, for sure. I uh, I've worked my way through House of Cards. So you're I don't want to give anything away. No spoilers, but you're almost at the big Claire Underwood se- uh, season arc. So you're you're really nearing the. Uh, yeah, the she has taken a turn. Like I, she was my, <laughs> she was one of my favorite characters at first, and now she is straight it straight to I don't know. She sucks. Yeah, she is uh, vindictive is the word. It's great. Yeah. It's, uh, it, uh, it definitely changes things up down the whole stretch. I haven't made it to Tiger King yet. I, I think oh, one of my, yeah, one of my roommates started watching it last night. It's just, what, a park of tigers or something? Like, I don't know. So it's about the big ant cat, like the big cat industry. Um, there's like <laughs> the five or six like big dogs in that whole industry. They're all like either some of them are working together and they all have this common hate for this one woman who is like against them, but she's kind of like a hypocrite because she's essentially doing the same thing. But then there's all these side stories uh, of of a murder, uh, (laughs) just a con man. And it's funny, like first, the first line that comes in that show, they're like big cat people. They suck. They'll like stab you in the back. And then it's pretty much (laughs) that way. And it's crazy. So these people are crazy nuts. That's crazy for sure, but it's re- really, really entertaining, and it's uh, it's pretty nuts that so much of it happened in Tampa. I was living there for so long, and I spent a lot of time there still. And I was like, "Wow, okay, this is uh, this is pretty crazy." Yeah, no, it, I'm putting it on the top of my list. Everyone keeps saying uh, it's worth. You'll watch it in two days. You'll watch it in two days. <laughs> seven okay. seven episodes each, like fifty minutes. It's you're two days easy. Oh yeah, that's easy. That I, I can get through that pretty quickly. Um, no, for sure. And I guess I'm I'm gonna try and use this to pivot into a real question. Is you know because as a tennis player, you're on the road so often. You're going city to city, tournament to tournament. You don't really have time to reset, other than maybe an off season or a two week training block here and there. Is it nice for you to have you know a, a month at home, get maybe even longer, get to spend time with your girlfriend, sort of recenter yourself, even though you know you only got two months of 2020 and it was going really well for you but is it nice to just get an, an extended period at home uh yeah i mean what sucks is it's kind of like forced and it's it's not part of a schedule it's not like you know where we have time to reset and enjoy restaurants that we like and live a little bit of a normal life and create this structure where we kind of have this isolation in play but um luckily it was funny we, we got a puppy that was literally at the perfect time <laughs> to get one uh, but I, I am enjoying it. I get to spend time with her and, and my dog and my family. Uh, we get to actually enjoy the places where we live uh, for an extended period of time. I mean, I know it's at least three months right now. Uh, but I, I'm using it as a positive right now. I actually haven't gone crazy. Obviously, I'm watching the news just like everybody else, a little bit a day and, and engaging what's going on. But you know, ha- having a set routine and keeping yourself busy hasn't really been an issue for me quite yet. Um, and, and it just seems strange. It almost seems like when I'm looking outside, nothing's really wrong. <laughs> and I, I don't know. It's just where I am. And I was like, it, it's crazy. So I'm trying to enjoy it. But at the same time, I am also very aware of what's going on and trying to be as smart as possible, too. 
No, I think people will appreciate your optimism. Yeah, yesterday was the first 65-degree day where I'm at, and like people were were outside, and it's scary because you're like, hey, stay away from me. But at the same time, we all needed to get outside and get out of our house. And, and of course, yeah. yeah, safety, health comes first. But, you know, that's something. I was I was thinking, you know, I, th- I know you had mono a few years back. Now would have yeah. been the time to get mono. Just, you know, sit out. and. I, I don't know. I say yes, but I also say no because <laughs> when you have mono, the first day I was in the I was in the ER so fast, I was in so much pain, and now I would be like, man, I have mono, I'm in so much pain, but I'm not going there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's I mean, true. It is like the first two weeks be awful. So now, I mean, I'm trying to be as healthy as possible. I, I, I was, I was uh, not completely like, afraid of it at first but now I'm more pretty cautious um it just it's easy I, it's i feel like this could a lot of positives could come out of this with just uh everyone now everyone's figured out how to build robots and everything and now everyone's finally learning how to wash their hands <laughs> exactly it's you know no 100 percent. these are all good things for moving forward and to get back to your 2020 season because you were off to a great start uh i think you had done quarterfinals or better at every challenger you had played uh you know i think that last one i talked about you uh with ty you'd won the doubles in indian wells you also knocked off yannick sinner there before losing in three to jack Uh, i'm sure it's frustrating for you that you don't get to capitalize on that level of play but you know given you know what you got to experience in 2020 how are you feeling about your tennis right now yeah i mean tennis is honestly it's been great um you know in my career i've had a lot of ups and downs um and just have realized how tough consistency really is and uh you know i reset my whole mindset and read you know recommitted to being the ultimate professional and being in the best shape possible uh so i, I had a great start to the year i think i was like 14 and 5 to start or like 13 and 5 uh winning a lot of matches i thought i could have won all the challengers that i lost in i mean i lost nail biters to guys that were playing really really well uh, haven't gotten smoked by any matches that I've lost, which is always a sign. Um, and you know, it was it was there even when I didn't I didn't hit for like eight or nine days, and I hit last week for the first time, and I was still playing awesome. So it, it kind of sucks. It actually almost pissed me off because you know when you have this momentum and you have this confidence, it takes so long to build it sometimes and to hold on to it. You have to work so hard. So when you kind of lose that, uh, it, it, it's pretty frustrating, but. I'd almost rather. It's hard to say. I don't even know what situation I'd rather be in. Playing really well and and having the momentum stopping, especially with me being right outside top hundred and having a point of the year where I don't have many points and pushing forward, or a guy you know that's just losing, 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 playing terrible. <laughs> he wants to quit tennis anyway, and then now you boom, you get three months off to reset your mind, and kind of miss miss everything, and be able to redevelop your game. But uh, you know, again, I. I'd still probably rather be in my position, but uh, I'm glad I'm still playing and, I, and I'm continuing to try to control what I can control to keep that momentum coming back. Yeah, to your point, I think you've lost either a three-set match or your two straight set losses were five and six or six and five. So yeah. that's an incredible level of play. And I know, uh, you know, we we talked about it a little bit earlier, but is is the more difficult part right now the confusion with all of this? I know, you know, not getting to play events, not getting to make money. Sure. I'm sure that's frustrating and that's obvious. But the fact that you don't know how the ranking system's going to adjust when play comes back, you don't know how many events are going to be, you know, know available and all those things is that the hardest part is the uncertainty um yeah for sure i I think the uncertainty makes it so tough then you kind of figure out how am i going to train when am i going to fully peak uh but i I do believe we're going to have a six week six to eight week window before we know we're going to play uh that where things are going well everything's getting under control i think they're going to tell us probably you know like train with caution and all this stuff like everything's getting handled I think we will. Everyone is gonna at least have a, probably a month, if not longer, to fully prepare yourselves, which is enough time. Uh, but yeah, the uncertainty is is tough. I mean, are we gonna play by June eighth? I don't think so. Uh, are we gonna play by September eighth? Maybe. I don't know. It's just a. Uh, it's tough. It's it's hard to plan like what you're gonna do. Uh, it's not like. You have all this free time and you want to go travel and see places and do things you'd never get to do because it's all closed anyway. 
But stuff. I mean, the money part, I think the whole world is just in the same boat. So it's not really like we are in this special category. Like, why aren't we getting paid this and that? Um, you know, so there, and there are people that are way worse situations than we are. So I'm trying to look at it that way um, and just kind of wait and see. But, yeah, uncertainty is, is always a, a tough, tough thing to deal with. No, without question. Does it help for you personally that, you know, the past two years, I know in Australia, the streak was broken, but you got to play eight straight uh, Grand Slam main draws for the first time in your career, 2018-2019. So again, that that has to help somewhat, right? That you have, you know, that that confidence that uh, that I guess those results simply put that money to lean back on. Yeah. um, You know, I've I've answered that question a couple times and, you know, I'm, I'm luckily that I've I've been on tour for 11 years, uh, playing ATP tournaments, and you know I've gotten enough money to where I'm okay for now. Um, but I, I know there are guys that are 304 in the world that you know they need to play every week to have all these expenses paid for. Um, so I can only imagine what their situation is like and how much they're kind of panicking, what they're going to do. Um, I haven't hit a point of panic yet, but yeah, I, I am very grateful for it. Um, and yeah, let's try to see how long we can make it last. So. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, I try my best not to repeat questions, so yeah, I'll, I'll try and stay off track there. But um, you know, one of the things that's been kicked around, and then we're gonna get to the fun stuff, I swear. But this idea <laughs> of a universal basic income for players that, uh, depending on where your ranking is at the start of the season, you get X amount of dollars, and then every win you accumulate the rest of the year, you get paid more. So no more if you, for a first round loss, you're no longer gonna get any sort of payout, and it's only gonna be based on the amount of wins you have. Which be the trade-off is that something you support there have been calls for player unions as well what are your feelings on those things uh yeah i mean that's that's a sound interesting i think they're uh uh it's tough i think on one side of it you look at how we're kind of based you know commission-based job and you know you got to fight for every check you get um and, you, and you're playing for it and um I think that creates the hunger and also creates a lot of pressure and, and that can cause a lot of issues for guys and maybe not enough guys are getting supported. I see that point. Um, and then with salaries, salaries would be incredible to know how much you're going to make, how much you can budget, what you can afford, at least have the chance to have a full-time coach and at least do it right. But at the same time, will a salary create people, players who are content and be like, okay, I'm making this money. I'm all right. I just need to do enough here and there. Well, that hurts the quality of the sport. I think I can see that argument as well. But that's just, I think, from like a fan point of view. But I, I do think that if we can get some kind of some kind of base salary uh, and, and guarantee so we can plan, I, I'm all for somehow re-evolving the sport into a team sport somehow. Um, I, I think that would be incredible. I, I think that to be able to see the younger uh, younger generation of people get interested in tennis, I, I think you, you need them to get into something like that. I think it's easier for people to follow a team than an individual um, and track everybody. Uh, uh, but if a team sport isn't the solution and then we go to individual, I think, potentially creating a system like golf i I think we could have adopted maybe the way they do it uh we'll make every single week is you know slams and regular events they're almost equal prize money um and it's not so much about the money of the tournaments but more the prestige and um you know you create cuts i was i was thinking imagine you do exactly like they do thursday to sunday um, or any four days of the week you want, and, and they all do their exhibitions on Tuesdays and w- or Wednesday and Tuesdays. You, everyone does that in the tournament, participate in a mandatory EXO. You play your four days, draws of 16, um, and you only get paid, or draw of 32, and you only get paid if you make quarters, or draw of 16 and make like 10 tournaments a week, and we're all part of that, and and, and you have to win, you have to make semis in order to get paid, and, and it'd be something like that, and you have a bunch of different venues. I'm just spitballing there completely, but uh, I've always thought something like that could be cool, but I, I do think a system could be changed for sure. 
I'm all in on all of those ideas. I like it. I'm, we're big college tennis fans here at Crack Racket, so anytime we can bring up the team format, that's interesting. If Is there a world where you play world team tennis this summer? I, I don't think you played last year, but I know you've played in the past. Um, Would you get back I've into not, it? I have not signed up. Uh, man, I, uh, I hope it even happens. We're not even yeah. sure. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I was evaluating my schedule and everything, an original schedule. Um, I wasn't ready to play a full season, but now I don't know how that's all going to change. So we'll see, but uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it'll be interesting what happens, Uh, but maybe, you you know, I I can't rule anything out at this point. (laughs) No, no kidding. Uh, Yeah, I feel like it's open for everyone, Uh, you know, just trying to get matches in, right? That's what everyone's looking for. Yeah, matches, and I know money is going to be, guys are going to be hungry to get, get back out there and make money. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a really interesting stretch of time for you. Well, uh, again, uh, I want to have a little fun with you down the home stretch. We got to talk about what you're up to on Netflix, all of these different things. I know you also, I think this past weekend uh, with Devin Britton, with uh, uh, Jordan Cox, was it the other one? You went on Instagram Live, the three of you guys, uh, doing a little prognosticating, doing some commentary. Was that fun for you to get to make the media rounds? Yeah, I thought so. Um, We were talking about it for a couple days before, and trying to figure out how to make it not boring and what's going to reel people in and the right questions. I mean, we watch, we all hear and listen and watch kind of the level you guys are at and how you guys reel people in. But when we do it in Instagram live, we see, see a lot of players. I feel like go on, go on there and expecting that everyone's just going to ask these questions and be free flowing, but they all, I think they all make it and after like five minutes, you're like, what am I watching? So we were trying to make it interactive and try to throw some questions in. And because we've been friends for so long, maybe things are just kind of be natural and fun. Um, and maybe people want to listen to it, but it was okay. Uh, solid start. I, I think we were completely open to feedback. I had a couple of my friends listening and I was like, when, when did you lose attention? Did you were you able to be interested the whole time? What would you have liked to hear? So, and I was trying to create maybe something that similar to like why people watch First Take, you know, and all those talk shows uh, on ESPN. And but it's it's definitely harder than it looks. No, it's it's not. What I've learned is you just gotta your way through. It's literally that's just Absolutely. all you can do. Yeah, and it's just kind of making yeah. fun. I mean, I'm happy to throw some hot take questions at you right now if you'd like. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I'm ready for it. Always. All right. Uh, I mean, I was going to start. So you heard, uh, or maybe you didn't hear, but I saw an Instagram comment or was sent to me that uh, on a recent podcast we did lists because who doesn't like lists and rankings? And we were doing the top two-handed backhands. And I put you in, yeah. my, you know, non-big three related. And I, I put you in my top three. Uh, I'll oh, just put, I'll, I'll, yeah, of course, I'll give you the question. Your top three non-big three, so no Federer, no Nadal, no Djokovic, two-handed backhands on tour. Uh, two-handed backhands on tour. Um, pair, obviously. Uh, hold on. <laughs> because, so we I had mean, that discussion. It's because his game is all a serve and a backhand, right? To be that highly ranked with no exactly forehand. Exactly. Nobody has a backhand, I think, like his. His is by far the best. Uh, I think it's better than Djokovic is anything. The fact that he can win with that stroke um, and kind of cover up the way he hits his forehand I mean, yes, he's an incredible athlete, serves really good, return very underrated, uh, but his backhand's a joke. Like, you touch it, and you're like, wow, like, this this is gone. Like, I'm in trouble. Um, I mean, there's so many good backhands, but it's just kind of what people think is a good backhand. The backhand that's solid and not going to miss, I think, like, that's Vera. But if you're looking for a guy that's going to create plays and create like winners and have like the most money back end out there like warinka has got to be up there guy can hit a winner from anywhere for sure uh, what what about medvedev who just like when he stretched down and it's all weird like that's when he thrives yeah i mean his is his is pretty money um oof. but i mean i i thought a healthy nishikori i thought his back end was pretty insane playing against him the way he could flick it off the court and not be so like one dimensional, uh, it's pretty insane. But honestly, there's so many good backhands. Yeah. It's so, it's it's so brutal. But uh, I think there's different categories of the best. 
back end. It's hard to say just like the best back end because there are guys that will not miss and there are guys that will miss but can create winners and and have so be so scared for guys to hit it there that it's like a fear factor. But it can also have like the worst days ever. Yeah, no, that's again, that's why first taking in tennis is hard because the nuance, it's it's like, well, yeah, his, you know, the cross court backhand looks good, but the guy can't go down the line. And it's like, that's a big issue in tennis. And so, yeah, um, yeah all of those things cause those sorts of problems. Um, yeah, I, I think so many guys now, yeah, because of the way the game has gotten more physical, you just, you have to be good off of both wings. Um, all right, I'm going to throw another different question for you. I know you grew up training at the JTCC a little bit. We had the chance to talk talk to Vesa Punka the other day uh true or false when he wants to go exercise he'll just pick up a log and go walk in the woods um <laughs> uh, wow well, I don't know I, I bet you that was maybe old school if he's doing that now tell me that but I know he's, he's a hell of a runner um the amount of times I've heard him just kind of walk out of the door I, I know he told me he ran a full marathon once by himself in the ra- in a in the midst of like a hurricane and he did it on a track by himself and it took him like forever and i was like wow you are an absolute animal <laughs> yeah. i mean he he does strike me as that sort of guy though who would just be like you know what i'm i'm gonna go do that because why not uh he he was in jtcc he was the definition of discipline and, and no corners cut uh and very very old school and um, so that, that's how he was. And, and he was, he was the guy who kept everybody in line. So he, yeah, he, he was definitely, um, no surprise that he would do something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And okay. N- next topic, the handlebar mustache. Why'd you yeah. do it? And where did it go? Um, it's still on my face, but it's, <laughs> it, it's just added with a little bit more facial hair, but, um, you know, I did it. I, it's you know when you start the year, it's an opportunity to reinvent yourself. Uh, no one's seen really anybody, or maybe only seen one or two players for a month. So to kind of throw a little surprise in there, I feel like everyone's pretty excited to show something new or what they got going in uh, the first weeks of the year. So I said, you know what, I'm going handlebars. Um, <laughs> sashes are just so in, and I was like, I can't just go sash. I got to kind of up everybody. So I went handlebars and I said, I'll just keep it for a while. So, uh, I did, I loved it. My girlfriend hated it. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I, th- I thought it was an intimidation, intimidation factor. You know, you got somebody looking at you and you're like, wow, I can't lose this guy. Uh, and just throw him off and then boom, I'm up two zero before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that works. Uh, but yeah, I imagine the girlfriend was like, no, 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 Dennis, if you're here for two months, that's gotta go. Yeah, she wasn't. Uh, I wasn't getting a kiss here and there. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, she was about to give you a Claire Underwood on Frank sort of treatment. Absolutely. Uh, to, yeah, to go full circle. All right, again, changing topics here. You have mentioned golf a couple of times now. I know you are a, a an avid golfer. Give me your top three American male golfers. Ooh, uh, I love Tiger Woods. Uh, oh, I should have gone. I meant better tennis players as well. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, top three American golfers. Um, Sock has got to be up there. Johnson is there. Um, and I you going to throw yourself in there? Oh, out of American golfers, I think there's some guys that are slightly better than me. <laughs> um, I'm I'm at the point right now where I'm. Sh- yeah, I mean like. Klon is better than me. I, I I was he shoots like I guess like in the eighties and he doesn't even like play anymore. I I'm like happy to break ninety. But I'm I'm shooting like low nineties. But uh Heck was really good before he retired. So I mean I I wanna give him an honorable mention. Everyone says Marty Fish is also legit. Yeah, he's insane. He's he's uh he's like as good as like Tony Romo and stuff. <laughs> So him, Tony Romo, like Steph Curry, they're like the best celebrities in like all those celebrity events. <laughs> yeah, that's who you want to be partnered. I feel like sock, it's just a big drive. Like it's just, and then you're just like, oh, well, he's got 50 yards left. Uh, yeah, I've never, yeah, I've never seen him play, but I've seen videos and I've seen guys, I've heard guys that play with him and he just launches it. Like he hits, yeah. it, he hits it as far as those top professionals. It's pretty good. 
For sure. Um, all right. Well, you know, last couple one because again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. But for you moving forward, um, you know, in terms of the things uh, you you will be doing, uh, you know, during this downtime, are you a video game player? Will you at any point resort to the two K world, the Madden world? Or are you gonna, you know, stick uh, no. with hanging with the girlfriend? Video games. I almost thought about buying it, but um, I don't know. I just can't get into video games. It's just not for me. I feel like. I would rather mindlessly watch a show or attempt to like work out try to learn something, you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. Are you a big, you know, YouTube former match watcher? Or you you get enough? Yeah, kind of seat? I do. I like watching matches. I haven't done it yet. My brother is uh, huge into it. Uh, my brother should be working for like ESPN. Guy knows everything <laughs> about sports. Uh, but he's been sending me some crazy like past matches. Uh, um, so I'm putting him on a list. He's got a he's got a playlist. Um, X matches that are that are pretty good. Like he oh. sent me Joachim Johansson and Andy Roddick, <laughs> um, and yeah, just way back then. Actually, I watched highlights of uh, night uh, two thousand and one Raptor Raptor Agassi semifinals in Australia. That was pretty insane. It's crazy to see how like the level has changed from then to now. No, oh, yeah, it's crazy. The courts were faster. The points were shorter all of these things are different i was i was going to ask you for my last question if you had three you know tennis content related recommendations for our listeners out there three matches or maybe it's a tennis book maybe it's you know an instagram feed uh, such as your own to watch you work out because i'm sure people can learn a thing (laughs) or two from that uh but what would your three recommendations be for our fans uh well i'm a big like highlights and and i like to find maybe a guy that's got sweet I don't know, like an awesome game style that you can maybe compare yourself to or someone that you remember back in the day, you're like, well, I haven't watched something or just a random guy that was like in the top 10. Um, watching, I mean, I love watching early Fed Nadal matchups. I think uh, that was pretty cool. Like uh, when, when they first played in Miami and watching that and then like kind of have that involved in like match four, match five. I think that's super cool. Um, I love watching Rios and the way he played so, like, angry and, like, careless, but still so unbelievable. Uh, it, it was nuts just how easily he could put a ball wherever he wanted, and it would just seem effortless. Uh, Any Rios highlights? Um, and then i think my favorite one of my favorite matches of all time to watch is uh even isovich rafter Wimbledon final i love watching that one i think uh that's that's a match everybody should watch for sure yeah and you're a grass court guy so that makes a lot of sense i like watching the dirt too you know who i like watching as well i love watching uh the guga and magnus norman final at the french i think that was an incredible match as well like i just love i love the contrast styles and just how that kind of french open with the old nbc on there and i think that was just super cool yeah i i think this podcast will come out after the first in the series is launched so we're doing cr classics where uh you know essentially the rewatchables where we're just rewatching matches breaking them down going through it the first one we did was the 2011 semifinal where federer beats a djokovic in the finger wag and you know that's that's an all-time moment and so uh okay. but I, I'm put, yeah, I was gonna say I'm putting a list of. I, I wrote down all these matches you just suggested. Also, uh, for me, I have a take that if Joaquin Johansson didn't get injured, he'd have won five Grand Slams because I've never seen someone who hits the ball that hard. So my it's brother just, says. My brother says the same thing. Yeah, I, it's. I think so. Yeah. It, no, it's just unbelievable. In the last one, 2012. Australian Open semifinal, Djokovic Murray. A, it's the peak of physicality, I think, in tennis. You're never going to see a more physical match. B, and we may violin this out afterwards, but it's. Yeah, I remember that match uh, quite well. Yeah. I think um, the most physical match ever was, uh, I feel like, Djokovic Nadal, that Aussie Open final. Yeah, think, so so it was the match the before that. thing I had ever seen. Yeah, I mean, I, so I can't disagree with you, right? It was insane. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 again, my take till I die is that the Murray Djokovic before it is actually a little bit better. Um, yeah, I, I think I guess that goes down to personal preference. I also love the matchup of Nadal and Djokovic better than the Djokovic Murray. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, talk about a backhand fest. Djokovic Murray was just yeah, backhand. I know. It was, it was they were running the same play against each other, but I liked what I liked about the Rafa was those two different game styles and like who could implement theirs better. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's like right after Nadal stopped wearing capris too. So it's like weird. You get to see some lag, and it's all, it's all its own. I don't thing. know how he played in those for sure. <laughs> and then also, you know, like a sneaker. You know who I liked watching is uh, Hisham Arazi. Or like Unice, or Yunus Elinawi and Roddick, twenty one nineteen in Aussie. Great mm-hmm. match. Great you know, you're, you're the second person to say that. That's a match I missed. Who was the, I think it was Lucero who also Mark Lucero who also oh, said that. Right, that's that was match. like the first that was like the first like long I would say like our generation right now, like first like long match that every guy was like, I can't believe that just happened. Like everybody watched it. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, like, like, I know before, like it would have been interesting to watch that. Um, who was, was it? Clement was it Clement and Grosjean who played like that? No, Santoro, Santoro and Clement mm-hmm. who played like that epic match with the French. But I just wasn't my time. But mm-hmm. um, now that Illinois erotic, crazy, crazy. That was crazy physical. Like those guys were having so much fun and so much respect. But it was, it was a definition of a show. Yeah, no, for sure. One of my other hot takes, which would feature well, uh, is that Andy Roddick, huge serve, but low-key a push. Back end of his career, if you watch when he plays when he's young, like he, he plays the slow, fast game, unbelievable. Like he goes slow, slow, plays, hits way more backhands. Every forehand he touched, he ripped. And then he hit this point in his career where he just like couldn't crack an egg, but always had that serve. Mm-hmm. And I, no. But I think I think that came from when he was like when he lost all his weight. It's when right when he loses those fifteen pounds. I think it was um, probably like what in late twenties, and he um, he just resorted to pushing because he could, and he mm-hmm. could do it. And then he, I think he just did it for so long he just forgot how to rip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean he's still an incredible player, and so yeah, that, that I, I appreciate those recommendations. That was great. Um, I'm gonna throw in one more bonus one. You played Djokovic back to back Wimbledon U.S. Open last year. Is that one of those moments where you're like, man, like me, or is it just because <laughs> it was second round, third round? You're like, ah, this isn't too bad. Um, Wimbledon, I was a al- one one way I looked at it, it was my opportunity to get on to the big uh, big stages, which I always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. So getting to play up on Center Court Wimbledon and Arthur Ashe were my dreams, and those are like my top two. So I was glad I was able to do that. Um, and then one end, I, Wimbledon, I was like, okay, I've always wanted to play him. It sucks. Like I'm playing well. Like I was playing, I was playing okay. I wasn't playing like incredibly well, but I, I thought I was playing like good. Uh, but I was like, all right, it's an opportunity. I think U.S. Open pissed me off more. I was like, ah, I'm, I thought I, I didn't have like a great summer, but I was finding it. I was playing really well in practice. Uh, I was playing pretty solid in my first two matches, even though I was like almost finding ways to blow it. But I did, and I was like, man, it's, I, I have this momentum now. I'm free. I'm free swinging, and when I'm free swinging, I feel like I'm super dangerous. I'm like, he gave me a bunch of other guys. I felt like I could have gone on a run again. Um, so that, that one, that one pissed me off a little bit. So I was like, ah, just played him. Like, give me a break. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. It's part of tennis. You got to beat everybody. Yeah, for sure. And again, I, I made this point when we were talking about backhands. I, I thought you held up really well with him backhand to backhand. I thought it was a great match. Yeah. I mean, just, that one was the one where his backhand wasn't, uh, his left arm or whatever, or wrist was problem. So like everyone was like attack his backhand. So that's what I did. He was just managing it. Uh, but what makes him so so tough compared to some of these other guys is one is movement. When you really get to play him and you see that he's in position and you know he can go anywhere, you're like, wow! I can't believe how physical this is going to be. Like it was so physical the first five games. But uh, and I think his serve is incredibly underrated. I did not think his serve was that good. Like big moments and like how he spot serve. Uh, really, really impressive. That that was great. And his return comes back every time every time no i mean he's undefeated and i feel like he's not even like he's undefeated this year but this is not the best Djokovic. I, again we i just watched those 2011 highlights and it's the movement right he just he's everywhere what's well, 2011 the year was it that long ago yeah 
That was the year he was four. I mean, twenty fifteen he was really good too, but the twenty eleven was when he was forty two and out. Yeah, that uh, that was a joke. I think that was the best tennis he's ever been played. Um, it, it was nuts. Was it two thousand eleven? I feel like. Uh, I guess so. Um, he yeah he he's insane. I don't think it's the best Djokovic, uh, but that was obviously a huge psychological element to um, to tennis that I think he's conquered. <laughs> Yeah, against a lot of guys yeah no without question all right i again i, I kept throwing in bonuses but since we're i'll go for the ultimate hot take who ends up with the most men's slams in singles fed nadal djokovic uh or kudla you can throw kudla in there yeah i gotta get started uh, <laughs> uh djokovic i think takes it i think yeah, Djokovic just... takes it um i think rafa gets second and i think fed's third which is crazy, right? I, I completely crazy. agree with you. I was, uh, I mean, I was always a big Fed fan. Uh, I didn't think it was. Gonna, I thought when he was twenty, he was safe. Uh, but no, he's. I think Rafa will pass him. Uh, he just shows he still can win those French Opens. Um, and Djokovic looks like he's got easily like another five. Uh, and what's he at? Sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, he'll pass. I, I think I think when he gets to the end, he's going to get a little bit tighter. Um, but, I mean, what's he? What's his age, 32? Yeah, I think so. I mean, 32 to 35, 12 slams, maybe. Well, let, let's, just say, let's say he at least has 12 slams. I mean, he wins four of those. Like, I feel like you can put that in there pretty easily. And he's already at 20, and then... All it takes is a hot streak. I mean, you really, you really think he's going to deal with struggling with just maybe like one slam and somehow, like we all know, he wins one slam, he's winning three, or he's not winning one. So <laughs> it's like that's how that's how it's going to go, I think. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, that, what guy, what non-big three player will win the next major? Uh, hopefully I can win one. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think the guy that's showing the most – the most promise, uh, most chutzpah, as we say in my culture. I yeah, I thought it was team at the French. I, I mean, I honestly think that he's the do- most dominant guy on clay after after Rafa. Uh, but I think um, I think Medvedev can really surprise people. But he was having a shaky start this year, so I, I could take that back. Let me look at the ranks. Yeah. Um, did I forget? Yeah. I mean, that's that's all I would say. I mean, Rublev's a joke this year, but I actually never watched any of his matches this year. Oh. But whatever, whatever he was doing was scary, so I don't know. The, the sound coming off of the racket when he hits a forehand and when FAA hits a forehand, you're just like, what are the, this is a different sport. It's just yeah, crazy. Yeah, I, I, I played Rublev, and I've lost to him like three times, and I've never seen anybody hit the ball so hard. Yeah, and it's the face he makes while he's hitting it too. It's just like this guy is freaking serious. He means business. Um, it's crazy. Very, very predictable, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, and that that works, right? He'll he'll take it um, for sure. But all right, Dennis, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. Uh, I hope you stay healthy, stay safe, and you know you're riding a hot streak. And there, I think we all can agree, coronavirus doesn't stop a hot streak. It just you know it's a little bit of a pause. So uh, keep rocking and rolling. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat. If you're bored throughout these next two months, you know where to find me. All right, awesome. Yeah, anytime. I'd love to do it again. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Take it easy. All right, see ya. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Dennis Kudla. And again, a huge shout out to Dennis for taking the time to chat with us about all sorts of things. Uh, you know, all of these players now, given the confusion, given what they don't know what their next tournament's going to be, we appreciate all of them willing, being willing to take the time to discuss that uncertainty, to be as candid as Dennis is. And honestly, it's really fun to hear prognosticator Dennis come out, to hear pundit Dennis uh, in prime form. He's got a lot of interesting opinions, and of course, I appreciated all of his recommendations for various matches I can be watching, and I think all of you can be watching as well on YouTube right now. Of course, one of the new things we are doing here at Cracked Rackets, our recent launch of our new podcast series, CR Classics, where we look at some of those great matches from over the course of history, break them down, set the scene, talk about the tennis, the aftermath from all of them. The first one in our series, uh, Jamie McDonald and I, excuse me, I got ahead of myself there, but Jamie 
McDonald and I talk about that 2011 French Open semifinal between Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. Federer ending Djokovic's 41-match winning streak that he started the 2011 season with. And we talk about the level of play. We talk about just the outcome of that match, 2011, one of those years where the big four, emphasis on the big four, uh, made all uh, made 14 of the 16 possible Grand Slam, or occupied, I should say, 14 of the 16 Grand Slam semifinal spots on the season. Uh, it was a really exciting level of play, and it was a really fun podcast to record. And of course, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, has turned it into a video on our YouTube channel. It, I mean, the fact that he's able to work in all of these highlights, work in the commentator sound effects, it's a testament to the work he and Max Fligner do. As I like to say, they, as always, have a f- of a job to do, and they never disappoint. So please go make their day. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. It, as soon as we get to a 1,000, I keep saying that. Once we're there, I will stop asking. But I know how many of you out there are listening to this, and I know, you know, it's two clicks, folks. Three clicks, I guess. YouTube.com. Crack Rackets, subscribe. It's very easy. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast, it means you're subscribed. But maybe you're not listening to or subscribed to our mini break podcast, to our Great Shot podcast, where you can hear the podcast form of that CR Classic video. Uh, And if you're not, you really should be. So be sure, please go like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. We're all looking for our tennis fixes right now as we're not going to get many new matches in the near future. And we promise here at Cracked Rackets we will continue to produce the sort of content that you tennis fans deserve. We're also continuing our Overserved series, looking at all the unintentional comedy, all the fun that happens day in, day out from the professional tennis world, uh, you know, tennis Twitter and uh, Instagram, all the very TikTok is the new medium, and it hurts me to say that. Even though I'm 24, I just feel feel like it dates me when I say, Hey, have you checked out TikTok? There's these new TikTokies, and I, I use still my analog clock, but TikTok, I guess it's a video. Uh, in my day, we called it Vine. Um, but no, it's still in my day. It's still really fun. You know, that overserved is if you like those sorts of impressions, if you like, you know, if you need a laugh, uh, that's the series for you. So go check that out. Of course, you can find all of our web uh, content on our website, CrackedRackets.com for the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Cracked Rackets. You have a thought for a podcast or a response, just whatever it may be. Feel free to slide into my DMs as well at, at GreatShotPod. Uh, But with that in mind, again, a huge shout-out to our friend Dennis Kudla for taking the time to come back on the podcast. For our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Dive Sports and Aerobar, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. That's today's interview. Thanks for listening, and we will see you all next time, folks. Take care and stay safe.